You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in your podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by heading over to Venmo and sending a tip to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 330, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 456 to 463. Chapter 5. The Most Holy Mary, called by the Apostle St. Peter, returns from Ephesus. She continues her battle with the demons, is overtaken by great storms at sea, some other intervening mysteries. 456. After the death of the unhappy Herod, the primitive church of Jerusalem enjoyed some measure of quiet and tranquility for a considerable time. The great lady of the world merited this favor through her maternal solicitude and care. During this time, St. Barnaby and St. Paul preached with wonderful success in the cities of Asia Minor, Antioch, Lystra, Persia, and others, as is related by St. Luke in the 13th and 14th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles and in connection with the miracles and prodigies performed by St. Paul in those cities and provinces. The apostle St. Peter, after his liberation from prison, fled from Jerusalem and retired to another part of Asia, not under the jurisdiction of Herod. From that place he governed the faithful, accruing to the church in Asia and those that were in Palestine. All of them acknowledged and obeyed him as the vicar of Jesus Christ and head of the church, believing all that he ordained and enacted upon earth was confirmed in heaven. With this firm faith, they came to him with all their doubts and difficulties as to their supreme pontiff. Among other matters, they asked him to decide the questions raised by some of the Jews concerning the doings and teachings of St. Paul and St. Barnaby, as well in Jerusalem as in Antioch, in opposition to the circumcision and the law of Moses, as I will relate later on, and as recorded by St. Luke in the 15th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. 457. On this occasion, the apostles and the disciples of Jerusalem begged St. Peter to return to the holy city in order to settle these controversies and establish order, so that the preaching of the faith might not be hindered. For since the death of Herod, the Jews had no one to assist them in their persecutions, and therefore the church enjoyed greater peace and tranquility in Jerusalem. On the same grounds, they also asked him to request the Holy Mother of Jesus to come to that city, for all the faithful longed for her with loving hearts, expected to be consoled in the Lord, 
and hoped for the prosperity of all the affairs of the Church through her presence. On account of these appeals, St. Peter resolved to return at once to Jerusalem, and before setting out he wrote the following letter to the Most Holy Queen. 458. Letter of St. Peter to Most Holy Mary. To Mary, the Virgin, Mother of God, Peter, the Apostle of Jesus Christ, thy servant, and the servant of the servants of God. Lady, among the faithful some doubts and differences have arisen concerning the doctrine of thy Son and our Redeemer, whether the ancient law of Moses is to be observed in conjunction with his teachings. They wish to know from us what is proper, and that we state to them what we heard from the mouth of the divine teacher. In order to consult with my brethren the apostles, I am now setting out for Jerusalem and for the consolation of all, and by thy love for the church we beseech thee likewise to come to that city, where, since the death of Herod, the Jews are more peaceful and the faithful more at ease. The multitude of the followers of Christ desire to see thee and console themselves in thy presence. When we shall have arrived at Jerusalem, we shall notify the other cities, and with thy assistance will be established what shall be conducive to the interests of the holy faith and to the excellence of the law of grace. 459. This was the tenor and contents of the letter. The apostles usually observed the same method, addressing first the person or persons to whom they were writing, then mentioning the writer, or inversely, as is apparent in the letters of St. Paul and of St. Peter and of the other apostles, to call the Queen Mother of God was agreed upon by the apostles after they had composed the creed, and in speaking of her they used it indiscriminately, the term of virgin or mother, because it was very important that all the faithful of the church should accept the doctrine of the virginity and maternity of the great lady. Some of the other faithful called her Mary of Jesus, or Mary of Jesus the Nazarene. Others, less significantly, called her Mary, the daughter of Jochim and Anne. Such were the titles given to the queen by the faithful in their conversation. The Holy Church, preferring the names given her by the apostles, calls her Virgin and Mother of God, and to these it has added other titles, still more illustrious and mysterious. A messenger brought the letter of St. Peter to the Heavenly Lady, and in giving it to her he mentioned that it was from the apostle. She received it on her knees in reverence for the Vicar of Christ and kissed it, but she would not open it because St. John was absent, preaching in the city. As soon as the evangelist returned, she, as usual, asked his benediction on her knees and handed him the letter, telling him that it was from St. Peter, the Supreme High Priest. St. John asked her what it contained, but the mistress of all virtues answered, Do thou, my master, first read it, and then tell me what it contains. This the evangelist proceeded to do. 460. I cannot restrain my wonder and confusion at the humility and obedience of the Most Holy Mary in a matter of so small moment, for only her heavenly prudence could inspire her, the Mother of God, with the thought that it would be more humble and submissive not to read this letter of the Vicar of Christ, except in the presence and under the obedience of the one to whose guidance she had submitted herself as her superior. Her example reproves and stigmatizes the presumption of inferiors, who try to find excuses and pretenses for evading the humility and obedience due to their superiors. But the Most Holy Mary was a model and a teacher of holiness in all things, great or small. Having read the letter to her, he asked her what she thought best to write to the Vicar of Christ. But also in this she did not wish to give any appearance of her being his equal or superior, preferring to obey, and therefore she answered, 
My son and master, do thou arrange whatever shall be proper, for I, as thy servant, will obey. The evangelist replied that it seemed to him best to obey St. Peter and return immediately to Jerusalem. It is right and proper to obey the head of the church, answered the purest lady. Let us prepare even now for our departure. 461. Thus resolved, St. John went out to seek passage for Palestine and to prepare whatever was necessary for a speedy departure. In the meanwhile, at the request of the evangelist, Most Blessed Mary called together the women who were her acquaintances and disciples in Ephesus in order to take leave of them and instruct them in what they must do to persevere in the holy faith. There were 73 of them, many of them virgins, among whom were also the nine saved from the ruins of the Temple of Diana. These and many others Mary herself had converted and catechized in the faith, and she had formed of them a community in the house of their hostess. Through this congregation of women, the Heavenly Lady had begun to atone for the sins and abominations perpetrated in the Temple of Diana for so many ages, and she established the observance of chastity and community life in that very city of Ephesus where the devil had profaned it. Of all this, these women had been informed, though they did not know that she had destroyed the Temple of Ephesus, for this remained a secret, in order that neither the Jews should find a pretext nor the heathens be stirred to anger against the gentle mother by their insane love of Diana. The Lord provided that the ruin of the temple should be looked upon as an accident and be soon forgotten, so that profane authors wrote nothing about it, though they had written much concerning the burning of that first temple. 4.62 The Most Blessed Mary, in her desire to console them for her absence, spoke to these disciples in sweetest words. She left them a paper in which she had written with her own hand. My daughters, the will of the Almighty calls me back to Jerusalem. In my absence, keep in mind the doctrine which you have received from me, and which I heard from the mouth of the Redeemer of the world. Look upon him always as your Lord and Master, and as the spouse of your soul, serving him and loving him with all your heart. Remember the commandments of his holy law, in which you shall be instructed by his ministers and priests. Reverence and obey them in humility, without ever accepting other teachers, who are not disciples of Christ, my divine Son, or followers of his doctrine. I shall always see that his ministers assist and protect you, and I shall never forget you or cease to commend you to the Lord. In my place will remain Mary, the elder. Obey her in all things with great respect, and she will care for you with the same love and solicitude as I have done. You will observe inviolate retirement and recollection in this house, and no man shall ever enter it. And if it is necessary to speak to anyone, it shall be in the portal in the presence of three of your number. Your prayers shall be uninterrupted and in private, reciting and singing those I have left you written in my chamber. Observe silence and meekness and treat your neighbors as you would be treated yourselves. Speak always the truth and be ever mindful of Christ crucified in all your thoughts, words, and actions. Adore him and confess him as the creator and redeemer of the world. And in his name I give you his blessing and I ask him to live in your hearts. 463. These and other exhortations the Most Blessed Mother left for the congregation, which she had dedicated to her son and true God. The one she had appointed their superior was one of the pious women, who had offered her hospitality, and who owned the house. This woman was well able to govern, for she had much intercourse with the queen and had been well informed concerning the law of God and its mysteries. She was called Mary the Elder because the Most Holy Mother had given her own name to many others in baptism communicating as the wise man says, without envy the excellence of her name, Wisdom 7.13. As this one was the first thus baptized in Ephesus, she was called Mary the Elder, 
to distinguish her from the latter ones. The Most Blessed Mary left them also in writing the Our Father, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments, together with other prayers, which they were to recite vocally. To encourage them in these and other exercises, she also left them a large cross made quickly at her request by the hands of the angels and set up in her oratory. Besides all this, as a kind mother, and in order to bind them to her still more, she distributed the things in her possession, which, though of trifling human value, were nevertheless rich and inestimable to them, as being pledges and proofs of her maternal love. This concludes our reading today for day number 330. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 456 to 463. In our reading today, beginning in Chapter 5, we heard about St. Paul and St. Barnaby. Now, if you're wondering who Barnaby is, I am guessing that it is St. Barnabas. And then we hear this letter that St. Peter writes to Mary. And one of the things that we learn is that on the same grounds, they also asked him to request the Holy Mother of Jesus to come to that city. For all the faithful longed for her with loving hearts, expected to be consoled in the Lord, and hoped for the prosperity of all the affairs of the church through her presence. There was a longing of the people to have the Mother of God visit them. Of course, she has visited earth even to this very day and different apparitions in the church. But to have that longing for Mary to visit, maybe that also is mirrored in Mary's longing for us as her children to pray, to reflect, to especially pray the rosary. And maybe if we realize an absence of the Blessed Virgin's presence in our life, well then, look for that longing in your heart. Go and visit a shrine of Our Lady. Go to the altar of Our Lady in your church. Go light a votive candle and ignite that fire and love for Mary once again. Now, we heard in uh, paragraph 459 about different titles given to Our Lady. They call her Queen, Mother of God, They call her Virgin or Mother. They call her Mary of Jesus. All of these different titles. We know that there are so many titles of Our Lady. Oftentimes they describe her role in our life, how she can come to our aid. For example, she is the help of Christians or consoler of the afflicted. She has many different names, many different titles. The Holy Church, preferring the names given her by the apostles, calls her Virgin and Mother of God, and to these it has added other titles, still more illustrious and mysterious, says our reading today. I've probably, over the past 330 days, at least once encouraged you to look up different titles of Mary. Find one that really resonates with you. And I've mentioned, I'm sure, about that Star of the Sea title, how it's a very popular title of Mary. And we'll hear later in chapter 5, according to the introduction, is overtaken by great storms at sea. So Mary being overtaken by great storms at sea. But I'm sure that those storms probably abated because of the prayers of Mary. But what are some titles of Our Lady Do you relate best to her as Mother of God? Or is there another title that you have a preference for?
Then Mary, as she's going to leave to meet St. Peter at St. Peter's request, well, here in our reading, she gives kind of a way of life for the people, for the women who are under her, that she's really gathered around her, that she's become a mother over. In a sense, it's kind of like a quasi-religious community. But she tells them what they should do. She imparts some wisdom to them. Your prayers shall be uninterrupted. Observe silence and meekness and treat your neighbors as you would be treated yourself. Speak always the truth and be ever mindful of Christ crucified in all your thoughts, words, and actions. Adore him and confess him as creator and redeemer. I invite you to go back and maybe reread paragraphs 462 and 463. In 463, she left them the Our Father, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments with other prayers that they were to recite vocally. It's Mary saying, this is how you're to live your life. And maybe as she recommended it for them in Ephesus, perhaps it's truly good for us to try to live this way as well. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.